Good morning. On behalf of the search team, uh, the lay elders, uh, and the trustee board, uh, it's my pleasure this morning to introduce Pastor Kenny White, who is our candidate for our lead pastor position here in Shakopee. Uh, Kenny has been serving in full, yeah, thank you, yes. Kenny's been serving in full-time ministry since 1991 and includes 13 years as a lead pastor to three separate congregations. Currently, he serves as the associate pastor uh, at Cheyenne Hills Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where he and his wife, Cindy, have been residing for the past three years. Uh, Kenny and Cindy know Minnesota well, as they both attended and graduated from Crown College, and they now have um, a son at Crown and two daughters who are coming back to start Crown in a few weeks. Um, and so we want to welcome Kenny. He had the, Kenny and Cindy both have uh, together seven kids, but I said four of them were born in Minnesota, so they their birthright is Minnesota Viking fans. I think that's so. You'll notice, uh, if not now, but later, both Kenny and Cindy are Green Bay Packer fans. So, yeah, there's you have a split crowd this time, Kenny. I know the last time it was, uh, you know, yeah. Would you join me in welcoming Pastor Kenny White? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I don't know where to start after that. Um, yeah, we're we're Packer fans, and we uh, we we have a lot of fun with that. I I was given a Packer mask, and people asked me some questions. You know, why would you do that? And I said, because I really like to stir it. And so I thought, well, why not start that way? Um, can we agree that this is a little bit of a weird time? And Okay, good. Uh, with the masks and stuff, one of the things I really like uh, about preaching is seeing faces because it helps me as a pastor to know I'm boring people to sleep, keep moving, or, you know, they're, they're, they like the, you know, stay here, park here. And, uh, but I can't see you. I can't see you very well at all because of the mask. So I'm going to have you interact. So what I would like you to start off doing is if you could just tell me your name. So you heard my name. On three, if you would just yell out your name, that would be super helpful. So one, two, three. It is so nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> Great day. Okay. So uh, because I can't see your faces, I'm also going to ask for some more interaction today. And so that might look a few different ways. But if you agree with what is being said or there's a point where you're like, oh, yeah, that really, that, that, that is where I'm at. I want to, I, I agree. Then you could say amen. So let's just practice that on three. One, two, three. Amen. Good job. Uh, you might want to go to the next level. You could say hallelujah. I know it's spelled like it looks like hallelujah, but it's hallelujah. That's how you say it. And so let's try that on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Yeah, great job. Kind of next level stuff is that'll preach or well, amen. You know, like we'll just keep it with amen and hallelujah right now, okay? So <laughs> there's an advanced one, right? So uh, I have like two friends in the world, and it seems like that those friends, whenever I'm preaching, they like to respond with inappropriate amens and hallelujahs. An example of that might be, I would say, hey, pray for my wife. She has to deal with me. And my friend will say, amen, that's right, that'll preach. If you do that today, uh, I will call you out, and I'll have a lot of fun doing it. So just know that that's coming, okay? Okay. 
Amen. There's somebody. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for not leaving me hanging. You know what? Jesus uh, promises he'll never leave us or forsake us, and so uh, we know that his presence is with us, but I'm going to pause and pray, and we, j- we just we want the Spirit of God to immerse us in this place. We want to we hear from God. You don't need to hear from Kenny. We need to hear from God. And so if you just join me as we pray, and we're going to jump in the word today. Jesus, we love you. We do thank you and praise you and ask Almighty God that you would be exalted and lifted up. And, and Lord, um, we know that uh, there is absolute truth. And so as we talk about these perspectives, I ask that you would give us your perspective, uh, what we might call a biblical perspective. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, not, not just for our sake, Lord, but for your glory that our communities might be transformed, that our families might be transformed, that our hearts might be transformed to look more and more like you for your good glory. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the, the title today is Perspective is Everything. And that, that may not be a really great title uh, because it, it may imply that um, perspective is truth. And so I want to be careful with that. Because I believe there are absolute truths. Uh, I believe that with all of my heart. In fact, one of my favorite discussions is when someone says, there are no absolutes. And I love to say, are you absolutely sure there are no absolutes? Because if you are absolutely sure, then you've just proven my point and not yours. There are truths. And how we see those truths and how we respond to those truths matter. And I like to say, there is a biblical perspective that we can have that really shines on that truth in a unique way. So I have a couple of practices, that actually three practices, that I'd like us to engage in to kind of get us where we're going. So in just a moment, I'm going to show you a, a picture. When you see that picture, there is kind of this fuller context of multiple pictures. I just want you to yell out the first thing that you see in the picture, okay? Okay, good, we're good? All right, good. Uh, here's the first one. Uh, some see face, some faces, some see a vase. Okay, cool. This one is a little bit harder. This one is a little bit harder. You're going to have to look close. Uh, we're going, you know, deeper each picture. So here we go. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, you, you might see a young lady with her head turned to the side looking away. Or you may see an older lady with her chin kind of tucked down. Do you see that in the picture? How many of you see both pictures now? Okay, so this next one is really hard. This is a really hard one. I'm just going to tell you what you're looking for. You're looking for a giraffe. So there'll be a giraffe. But you kind of have to look through, through the picture to see it. It's a little trickier to get this perspective on there. So, you know, just raise your hand when you see the giraffe. You, you might even have to kind of look close Look into that black space there, and, and it just pops out. You see it? It just pops right out there. <laughs> Perspective is everything, and sometimes we miss what's right in front of us. And I want to encourage us, especially in a time where there's so much tension in our world. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel. I'll just tell you how I feel. I watch the news, and my heart starts breaking, and I start feeling a little anxiety up in my uh, my shoulders getting tense. I go on social media and I see friends and family members and believers arguing at each other 
uh, online, and, and it, it, it's frustrating. It, it's like, where do I stand on this? Where do I stand on that? And so what I want to do is I want to take some time and really look from some biblical perspectives. How, how should we be looking, even in our times, what should we be doing? I think we'll pull out some principles today that will help us to identify that. In Scott County, there are roughly 141,000 people in the county. Now, statistics uh, say that there's roughly 52% uh, that would affiliate with a re- or would say they have a religious belief. Out of the 141,000, though, there are only about 7% approximately who would say that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. 7%. That's 9,900 people. That means there's roughly 131,000 people who are in our midst who don't know Jesus as their Savior. And they're trying to digest and they're trying to understand uh, what's going on in the news and what's going on in social media and what's going on in the world around them. And I I just want to share that we have a unique perspective. And if we would share that perspective, I think we live in an amazing time. Somebody said, well, you know, isn't this, isn't this frustrating with all the masks and stuff? Yeah, maybe. But we have opportunity like we've never had before. And Christians look so much different in the United States than they did 30 years ago. In this respect, that 30 years ago, you really couldn't tell, uh, you know, uh, are they just a good person or a Christian? Hmm, I'm not really sure. In the United States today, that juxtaposition is so big, and it stands out in unique ways, and we're we're going to jump into that together. I I hope you're ready to go there. We'll be in John chapter 17, so if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go there. As you're turning to John chapter 17, I have to tell you, if you ever, ever, ever hear one of my sermons, online or in person, whatever, and I don't mention Jesus would you just take me out back and beat me with a stick? Because I, like, honestly, I have no other message. But it's Jesus, and it's not just this Christianese that we speak. Jesus transformed my life. And I know many people through the years who Jesus has transformed their lives in profound ways. And so I like to talk about Jesus because I think that's the whole point. I think in the Old Testament, it pointed forward to Jesus. The New Testament points at Jesus. And the church today points back at Jesus and identifies ways that we live out Jesus. I, I love Jesus. <laughs> I love him. And I have no other message but him. Having said that, in John chapter 17, where we'll be, you're, you're in one of my favorite passages. And this is why. You've heard Jesus' prayer, right? Uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, the Lord's prayer. But this is actually the Lord praying. So when Jesus was asked, how do we pray? Jesus gave uh, the Lord's prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. But when Jesus prayed, we get to hear his heart in a way that we don't ever see in any other place. Maybe um, Maybe you're like me, and through the years, you've seen the Lord answer your prayers. Anybody? You can say beyond the shadow of a doubt, I know, I know that I know that I know that God answered my prayers. Um, I feel that way too. The Lord has answered my prayers for sure. This is Jesus' prayer, and there's a part in it that is for us as believers, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can answer Jesus' prayer. Does that blow your mind a little bit? It does mine. Like, 
I get to answer Jesus' prayer. What an amazing thing. I hope that there is a day that I'm going to stand in front of the Lord and he's going to say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then maybe as we're walking by, he's going to say, you answered my prayer. You were an answer to my prayer. How cool is that? This is his word, and we get to jump in it together. This is just before Jesus went to the cross. He has this beautiful moment that's recorded throughout history of his, of his prayer life. And so here we go. Verse 20 is where we're going to start. I know it starts in verse 1. We're skipping ahead, and this is Jesus praying, and he says this, I do not ask for these only, talking about his current disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus, in faith, had this idea and knew that uh, there were going to be more people who came to him as his disciples. And I believe that maybe even in that moment, and I, 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 don't, know, I don't know how exactly it worked, but maybe my, my face went through his mind. I don't know. Maybe your face went through his mind as he's praying. Possibly. But certainly this prayer extends time and culture and lands on believers even today. He's not just praying for those who are there in the garden, but also for those who will be. And someone, somewhere, shared that message of salvation to you. We're sinners and we need a Savior. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He conquered sin and death and gives life to anybody who would call on his name. And there may have been this moment where you bent your knees to the Lord and just said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you to save me. And it's not the prayer that saves us. It's Jesus. It's faith in Christ that does. And you made that, that line in the sand, and you stepped over. And if that's true for you, this prayer was in part with you in mind. Pretty cool. Then he goes on in verse 21. That they may all be one. Now let me just pause there because that's an important word. Now, the New Testament's written in Greek, the Old Testament primarily in Hebrew. Uh, I believe Jesus was really immersed in that uh, Hebrew language and culture. And um, this word one is one of those uh, Hebraic terms that had a really deep meaning. Every day as a good Jewish person, when they woke up, they would say this prayer, the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's how it started. One, echad is the word. It's a great word. It's referring to God in that passage that I just shared. But also, it's used in marriage. And the two shall become one, echad. Jesus is praying, and he says that they may all be one. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Let's keep reading. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Just drink that in for a moment. Those are big words. Jesus is saying, as my Father and I are one, may those who follow me be one in us. Like, how one is the Father and Son? They're pretty one. Jesus is calling us to that. And there's no indication that that's uh, uh, waiting until we get to heaven before we get there. It's 
a prayer request that Jesus has to the Father. Father, make them one as you and I are one. And we have this unique ability, despite diversity, despite cultural background or economic backgrounds, that we can come together and be united as one in Christ. It's an amazing thing. And it's not a flippant thing. It's an important thing. And Jesus makes this this comment that we can look over really easily if we're not careful. It's like, why should we be one? Well, here's one reason. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this. I've heard it, I don't know. I'm maybe exaggerating, but maybe not a billion times. The reason I'm not a Christian, the reason I don't go to church, is because they're a bunch of hypocrites. They don't like each other. This church broke up and that church split and this person stole that money and this person did this. And what they're saying is I'm not willing to look at this truth and follow it because my perspective is it hasn't changed anybody. 131,000 people in Scott County most likely don't know the Lord. How important is it that we're one? See, here's the deal. We can have great buildings. We can have great worship teams. We can have great pastors and speakers. And the world does all of those things, and in some cases even better. But what the world doesn't have, what they cannot replicate, is oneness. They can't do it. No, we have to divide by categories all of the time in our world. It's perplexing when they see uh, churches that are diverse, churches uh, diverse culturally and economically, and they go, wow, look at how they love them. The early church was defined that way exactly. Oh, how they love one another was one of the comments that was given. How good that that would be said of us because it's that reality that draws people in, especially in the midst of the conflict that we live in right now and the tension that we're constantly walking in. What an attractive uh, reality that we have that we can be one. And the world looks in and goes, man, I can't sleep at night. I'm, I'm so anxious, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. And, but when I look at you, you look at peace. You, you look like you're okay, and you love the people around you, and you're taking care of the people around you, and I don't understand that. Yeah, come and see. Let me show you why. Let me show you why. I want to introduce you to somebody. Oh, by the way, his name's Jesus. <laughs> what a great thing. An amazing thing that we have. Let's keep going in verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. How cool is that? God loves me? I don't know what your background is, but it's very likely that in a group this size that there are at least a few people who have felt rejected at times, who have, uh, who have been hurt and wounded, times where you've kind of put your heart out there and it's been squashed, smashed, crushed. Isn't it good to know that there is a God, the God of the universe, the God of heaven, who loves you, has called you to himself, who has a plan for you. And that's exactly what we see here. 
that this unity addresses a worldwide need that is not unique to culture or time and meets us today. And that this need is really the mission of the one who founded it, and his name is Jesus. It's pretty awesome. And you and I get to engage in that. And you and I get to be a part of it. And maybe if we boiled it down, it would sound something like this. Love, live, serve like Jesus. Maybe it would sound like that. I just, I am so excited about God's word and the power of his word because I've seen it so many times. When the church gathers and comes together, people respond to it. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, We started to notice that where we lived there, uh, human trafficking is a big issue, especially during certain times of the year. But uniquely on I-25 and I-80, that's the crossroads in Cheyenne, Wyoming, there was a lot of human trafficking that was occurring right there. And so we wanted to make, uh, make people aware of that, and um, we couldn't figure out how to do it. So we got together, and we started praying about it and thinking about it, and what we ended up doing is we held this 5K, we raised money, we uh, put out uh, flyers, we brought in speakers, we created a commercial, um, and, and the commercial aired not just online, but on local television stations, and the word got out so much so that the state trooper, the, the um, number one guy at the state trooper's office, he shows up and he says, this is making a difference. I just want you guys to know, just keep doing it. And we started to see people show up to the 5K. We also started pe- seeing people show up to worship. And they said something like this, and this is a paraphrase, but here's what they were saying. Because you care about people and you're doing it together, I'm really interested in what you're selling. Great, I'm interested in telling you. (laughs) Sit down, let's talk. But it took that kind of oneness, being on mission with Jesus together. Beautiful thing, and beautiful things happen. So being one, that sounds great. It's a really good thing to do, but how do you do that? There are several scriptures we could point to and kind of identify. I really like summing it up in Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't, We'll go there uh, on our screens. In Philippians chapter 4, it starts off like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Stop there. (laughs) They're like, oh yeah, that's Paul the Apostle. Of course he would say that. I mean, this guy wrote a lot of the New Testament. Paul's this godly guy. Well, yeah, he is, but he's also in jail here. He's writing this letter from jail. If you were writing a letter from jail, would you be saying rejoice? You would think that Paul's letter might be something like this. Why don't you get a group together, uh, come down here, and get me out. I could do way more outside of jail than inside of jail. Could you just please come get me? Could you do something? Petition the government? Do something? I hate Rome, don't you? Yes, we hate Rome. Could have been that, but that's not what he says. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, motivated by the Holy Spirit, he starts with rejoice always. Even in jail? Yeah, even in jail. It's pretty good stuff. I love it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. In case you missed it the first time I said it, I'm going to say it again. Verse 5. Let your reasonableness, and uh, that, 
that's a that's a pretty good word in that in that passage. That word can also mean gentleness. Um, I I think both work. Let's use gentleness though. Let your let your gentleness be known to everyone. Uh, and just pause there. Do you see a lot of gentleness today in culture? Do you see it? I, I guess I don't. I mean, I, whether that's a, a post online that is responded harshly by someone else or, or even the presentation of news items, it, it just seems a little bit harsh. And I'm being kind when I say a little bit. But to be reasonable, to be gentle, boy, that changes the narrative. That changes this perspective where you're looking at this element of truth, whether we're talking about masks or COVID or injustice or whatever. What happens when we engage in gentleness and say, hey, I'm not where you are. I'm not on the same page with you. But you know what? I love you. I care about you. And maybe I need to understand it better. Help me understand it better. Or maybe we're just not on the same page, but here's where we are. We love Jesus with all of our heart, and I'll stand with you all day long there. Maybe, maybe that gentleness is a piece of what is missing, and, and Paul recognizes that, especially in the turmoil that he's in while he's serving in jail. Let's keep going. Uh, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pause there. It's like he's giving them a formula to address that type of anxiety. And I, I, always, I always walk with caution on this particular passage because there are issues. You know, some, some people, what you may have heard me say is don't take medicine. That's not what I said, and that's not what I mean. Um, uh, you may have heard me say, don't go see a doctor. You know, pray it out. Uh, well, that, that's not exactly what I'm saying. There are times where mental health requires, uh, because of a chemical imbalance, you may need uh, medicine. That's fine. Um, you may need counseling. That's fine. But what Paul is saying is let's start here. Let's start with prayer. Let's, let's continue on with supplication, caring for other people in prayer. And let's give thanks. And perhaps... This element is a big part of reducing the amount of anxiety that we have and ending it in many cases, verse 7. And this is the juxtaposition to uh, that verse ahead of it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like, it doesn't make sense that you would have peace in the midst of this turmoil, Paul. But you do. Yeah, it passes all understanding. I can't explain it. I should probably be more upset than I am in this place, but I, yeah, I know God has a plan, and it's a good plan. And I'm willing to lean into Christ on this one. And Jesus knows better than I know what I need and when I need it. And I'm going to trust him that he's going to supply it. I'm, I'm going to go to him in prayer. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances, because I know that's God's will for me in Christ Jesus. Pretty amazing reality that he's in. Let's go ahead and look in verse 8. And this is the part of our mind. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
again, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to be critical of anybody except for myself, perhaps. How is it that I could binge on a Netflix show and then wonder why I'm so upset? When have you been in the Word, Kenny? Oh, well, maybe I need to get there. And it's amazing as we get in the Word and fix our mind on Christ and look through these kind of whatever passages that there is this transition that occurs. And I can, we can look at truth and look at it from a biblical perspective and bring hope and bring love and bring life in a way that nobody else can. And that's an amazing reality because when Jesus ascended, what he essentially did is said, church, this is my reputation, take it. And we have Christ's reputation, and that's a big deal. And I know I can trust him. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I can trust him. Like I said, my life has been changed. Perhaps your life has been changed. I can tell you dozens and dozens, hundreds of people whose life has been changed because of Christ. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. He's the first and he's the last. He's the comforter. He's not just that, but he's from eternity and he goes to eternity. He is the faithful witness. He's God in the flesh. He's holy. He's just. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God that takes takes away the sins of the world. He's the Messiah. He's the only begotten of the Son. He's the Redeemer and Restorer of our souls. He's our Savior. He's the true witness. He's worthy. And his name is Jesus, and he is worth our faith. Amen. Amen. Friends, we are in a unique time in, in history, and it's an opportunity and if we would be willing to look at it from a biblical perspective, I think we have this incredible opportunity to steward God's reputation and steward the gospel and present the gospel in a way that is life-giving and life-changing. Wouldn't it be great in two years, five years, ten years, that that percentage has changed? If the Lord tarries, if the Lord doesn't return in the next few years, how great would it be to look at Scott County and go, you know what? That 131,000 people have all, at minimum, heard the gospel. And in many cases, lives are changed. That could be a good thing. Well, it starts with us. Are we willing to align ourselves with the oneness that Christ has called us to? Are we willing to answer Jesus' prayer? And in doing so, are we willing to fix our minds on Christ? The choice is ours. As we move from this place, I, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. You have a tough decision um, in, terms of, in terms of voting for uh, my wife and I to come. And we want you to know that no matter what, uh, God has this under control. And he's got a plan, and it's a good plan. And we want to see uh, how that plays out. And we want to thank you for your time, and thank you for your prayers. And um, I just want to pray a blessing on you as we go from this place. So if you'd be willing to stand, I'd like to give you the... Uh, Ironic blessing. Uh, the children of Israel would gather, the high priest would put the Lord's name on them, and he'd do it by saying this blessing. And so as Matt comes and the worship team comes, I, I just want to bless you with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Can we thank Kenny?